Hello and welcome to Jump Cuts, a podcast about movies. My name is Charlie. I'm joined by my co-host, Will. Hello. And Park. Hello. This week we watched The Northman. It's like Hamlet, but badass. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, boy was it. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Badass movie. <laughs> Yeah, uh, this was, I mean, we all wanted to see this. I guess it was technically my pick, though, so I will be doing your recap, which is that uh, it's Hamlet. So, have you seen The Lion King? You've seen Hamlet. Uh, Yeah, it's a Lion King. (laughs) Yeah, roughly what happens here. Although, it is based uh, more on the old Saxon tale that is what uh, served as the inspiration air quotes shall we say for hamlet i.e shakespeare stole it uh like most of his stuff but you know that's a topic for another day (laughs) anyways it is uh not exactly hamlet but it's pretty similar so we have our main character uh omleth yes yes it is the same (laughs) it's so funny that he's named omleth (laughs) yeah Uh, kind of sounds like omelet. That just occurred. Exactly. Yeah. Anyways, Omleth, uh is a, a Danish Viking prince, uh, and his dad is a cool Viking guy who gets owned by Omleth's uncle, his uh, the king's brother, cuts his fucking head off uh, so he can bury his wife, and Omleth runs away while sails paddles away on a boat, and it's like. I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna kill everybody. You've seen the trailer. You've, you've heard the, the yeah, lines. Yeah, he's do, he's doing the Arya Stark thing of just like reciting to himself over and over again who he's going to murder yep. and yeah. why. Pretty much. Uh, so we have some sort of interstitial section where he uh, he uh, joins a Viking band and he gets really jacked. He grows up to be Alexander Skars- uh, Skars- <laughs> yeah. Skarsgård. Boy, he this gets, is gonna be. <laughs> he is getting the best nutrition anyone alive at that time was getting. I don't know oh, what. Yeah. No one is eating as well. He's as fucking huge, dude. He He's was got getting, the fight milk, dude. He was getting gold loot at every town he pillaged. <laughs> he was fucking. He's a. Uh, Absolutely hopped up on what, what the do they, protein powder. What do they call it in uh, that one episode of Rick and Morty? He's he's got cum gutters. Jesus Christ! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay. just picturing he like raids a town and he finds his like whey protein powder. <laughs> <laughs> just bites into the bottle with his teeth. Include. <laughs> oh. Anyways, yeah, he grows up to be Skarsgård. Uh, Skarsgård, I, I don't know, dude. Uh, anyways, <laughs> he kills some people, and then he meets uh, Anya Taylor-Joy, who's kind of a witch, sort of. Uh, and then they, he finds out that they're sending a bunch of captured slaves to his uncle, so he pretends to be one of them. And then, uh, yeah, hangs around and plans to do a Hamlet. Basically, the... The part before well, he didn't going plan back. to do a Hamlet. No one wants to do a Hamlet. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, okay. So like, it's it's essentially structurally what you know from Hamlet or The Lion King or I don't know. Star Wars is kind of a reverse Hamlet, isn't it? Anyways, um, <laughs> goes goes back the the like the phase that is everything before. The departure in return much shorter. Most of the movie, most of this story, he's back in the uh, the different kingdom in Iceland that his uncle has been banished to by the the king of Norway, who I guess has also conquered Denmark at this point. Yep. Uh, and he's doing some plotting, and then they do some killing. He fights a Draugr from Skyrim, or a Draugr, I guess is, is how they pronounce it. And then eventually, uh, he and his uncle kill each other, and he has lived the perfect life. He's successfully <laughs> done the Viking. He's so and happy. He rides to Valhalla. Yeah, he, gets to, he gets to ride with the Valkyries to Valhalla. Mm-hmm. Died with the blade in his hand. He literally, yeah. you just feel it like as he's dying at the end of the movie, just like fucking nailed it. <laughs> A perfect <laughs> that, life for me. It really, yeah. That's that's one of the first things we talked about, right? It's like part of the the depiction of viking culture in this movie 
but from the perspective of the people of Denmark of this time and from the character of Amleth, he lived the literal perfect life. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. saved his family because uh, his, well, not wife, but his Anya Taylor Joy is uh, his pregnant Anya with Taylor. twins. <laughs> <laughs> so he has successfully killed the person who would have hunted them down uh, and died in battle honorably. And she is Therefore, pregnant with twins, so his line continues. Yeah, yeah he, the, he got the bloodline two. will continue. He died in battle with honor. His life was perfect. Yeah, that's <laughs> literally all he cares about. It's so funny that that moment when like you think he's gonna go <clears throat> that moment when you think he's gonna have like a romantic life with uh, Anya Taylor Joy, and then it's like, oh wait, you're pregnant. Time to go secure the bloodline. <laughs> fucking die for it that is all i care about now (laughs) it's like uh, in the same way that tom brady keeps going back to football to (laughs) avoid his kids did you see this yesterday (laughs) now he's he uh has already agreed that as soon as he retires he has a contract in place to be an announcer with fox (laughs) continuing to dodge his children for another 80 years tom brady's been a week at home and was like what the fuck is this (laughs) i'm out (laughs) But yeah, that's what Obleth is doing here. He's like, I am raising no fucking kids. I'm going to go die. That sounds terrible. Uh, man. man. But yeah, I, I'm going to be straight up. I don't know what any other character's name in this movie is, and I don't think I could pronounce them if I tried, so we're just going with actor names. I was just saying, yeah, like, Anya's, Anya's character's name is actually very easy. It's It's Olga. <laughs> Okay, oh, right. Olga. We can do Olga. Okay, there we go. All right, we got <laughs> Olga and then uh, the uncle and Nicole Kidman. Uh, the uncle's name is Fjolnir. That's also not that hard. Oh, Fjolnir. Okay, you're right. All right, I'm sorry. I'm making too big of a deal. <laughs> you played enough Skyrim to be able to do this. I believe in you. Yeah. It's really the the original father. I oh, the Raven, like the Raven King or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but we can just King... call him Kenneth Branagh. It's fine. Yeah, King Arv- or Orvindil Warraven. I'm sorry. Orvindil Warraven. That was his name. Was it Ethan Hawke or Kenneth Branagh? That's not the same person at all. It... <laughs> <laughs> I think it's Ethan Hawke. It's Ethan Hawke. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> but yeah, anyways. So, all right, let's talk about the movie, shall we? Yes. Uh, this movie, directed by Rob, uh, Robert Eggers, if we haven't said that yet. Uh, who you may know from <laughs> The Lighthouse. Which, are you okay? <laughs> what? We're having I, fun here, folks. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I had a 13-hour work day today, so... Um, so, Alexander uh, Skarsgård. Skarsgård. Uh, I don't know if y'all have looked at his IMDb page, uh, but I think I found the thumbnail for our episode. <laughs> Just... Like I, you know, listeners, go look at his IMDb page and just look at his profile picture. I wish this was a video medium so that. <laughs> what? <laughs> what is just, this? It's just him in a tuxedo, but no pants. Who did this? I, <laughs> this is so much funnier than what I expected. I thought it was going to be him, like, making an O face in the movie or something. Yeah, like I that. thought it was going to be from a movie at all, but it appears that he was, he's just like this. <laughs> just at, like, an award show in just his, tux, like, upper half of a tuxedo. His pants, or, like, or his socks and nice shoes on, too, just no pants. <laughs> This is proof that, like, no matter how hot you are, like, men look funny with just a shirt and no pants. <laughs> it's never a good look. It doesn't it's work. It's just a for hilarious anyone. way to exist. Oh, <laughs> the big so shirt outfit is not for male bodies. Oh my god! Sorry. That. <laughs> just no. That's okay. That was hilarious. I just, I just looked over and I saw the like little round photo that's on the Northman's page. And I was like, is that him without pants on? And I just click on it and sure enough. 
That's we incredible. Need, okay, I, I guess I guess our audience will know what it is because we will have made it. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll make it the thumbnail, and then Charlie will Charlie will do strike. a thumbnail for the first time. <laughs> hopefully, it doesn't. Hey, I did a thumbnail for Sonic the Hedgehog. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> oh God. Okay. Uh, Back Anyways, to the movie, Okay, though. back to the movie, directed by Robert Eggers, uh, who did The Lighthouse, which we talked about on the show, which is an excellent movie. Uh, also did uh, The Witch. It's his other famous project. Great Worked movie. on a few other things. He loves the titles. It's his favorite thing to do. <laughs> yeah. And I think... I So I haven't seen The Witch, but I have heard a little bit about it. And Park, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but the, the sort of running theme that I see over these last three movies is just like the inherent horror in some past time period, right? <laughs> yes. Because the, the witch is, <laughs> yes. is it about the Salem trials or is it? It's that era. I don't. I, yeah. I think it's about like a real witch. <laughs> I think there's an actual witch. But yeah. Like, and there's, it's that sort of like. There's vibe. a dancing yeah. black goat. <laughs> yeah. Like, what more could you ask for? Right. And, like, the, I mean, The Lighthouse is... I, I think you would call The Lighthouse a horror movie. Um, the Lighthouse is psychological horror. It's about like, what it would know. be like to jerk off in the 1800s. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> horror, Terrible. That's what it would be like. You don't have the VR machine that can kiss you on the mouth yet. <laughs> um, uh, this mine's movie, in the mail, okay? <laughs> Shipping Jesus delays Christ. just uh, globally. It's true. My new GameCube controller's delayed. My pen frame's delayed. Nobody can tape me. <laughs> uh, my anyways. robot mouth on top of it all delayed. <laughs> this is a lot more nonsensical giggling than I was expecting for this episode, but I'm here for it. I'm having a good time. <laughs> but yeah, um, the Northman. I, I wouldn't call it a horror movie, but there are horror elements, and where they are, I think they work pretty well. But those elements aside, we'll talk about them in a little more detail later. Thematically, throughout the movie, it's just like look at how like fucked up and absolutely brutal this shit was like a thousand years ago. Look yeah. at how animalistic Behold. these men are. Yeah. Look at how close to low beasts these yeah. these men are. Which, and uh it's it kicks ass. It's yeah, it's it, it's special seeing like just like a depiction of a culture that is like so incredibly alien <laughs> to like modern day humans. You know, I, it's just like uh it 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 feel at times i mean i i guess at times the characters are like literally pretending to be animals but they really like just like basest human instincts are driving like most of the decisions that people are making in this movie it's really fascinating yeah i mean and yeah. it's from what i've been seeing like one of the more honest depictions too of the time period of just how brutal and beast-like these people were at this time. Like, I was reading some reviews. I pulled one of them off because I wanted to mention it in the podcast where uh, this guy, he says, like, as a Scandinavian, I loved it. And it just says, Netflix and Marvel can try their best to ruin the image of my ancestors. All I can say is, thank <laughs> God for Eggers and the Northmen. <laughs> okay. Uh, is that a is that just an IMDb review? Or? Yeah, it's one of the IMDb reviews that okay. I was reading through of it. But it is funny that people consider this as like a a positive depiction of a culture and not just like <laughs> right? they were like dogs rolling around in the fucking mud. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, in the Fertile Crescent, they were inventing like math and shit. <laughs> <laughs> then, like a couple thousand miles north, they're just like ripping out each other's throats with their fucking teeth <laughs> and eating mushrooms. <laughs> Getting high with your son in a cave with Willem Dafoe. <laughs> oh my god. Which, yeah, like, aesthetically very cool. Practically oh, yeah. would not want to live there. Yeah, <laughs> Seems right. It's unpleasant. Like, it, it, it is so funny that, like, uh, there's a, a, a small group of uh, Nazis, I guess, that are uh, into this movie and think that it's very cool when, like, watching it from like a normal person's perspective it's like 
all I'm the most of my takeaway is like, boy, would it have sucked to live in this situation? I don't yes. know why anyone mm-hmm. would want this for I- anyone else. <laughs> like, they're just man, they're roughing it. <laughs> yeah. Even the kings are roughing it. It seems really bad. You know, my one my one complaint about this movie that I was fully expecting to happen with how brutal it was becoming, they didn't blood eagle anyone. I don't know what that is. It's when you are like, it's there's been very little evidence to support that Vikings actually did it, but they would, while their prisoner or enemy was still alive, cut them open from the back, tear their rib cage apart, pull out their lungs and then string them up with their lungs and entrails stretched out to form wings Jesus Christ. Oh my god. Yeah, they didn't do that in this movie. They did they did cut up, close. They did cut up some guys and make them a horse. Yeah, it made him like a centaur sort of situation. Uh, the uh the one with like somebody the uh the priestess that oh, was gonna yeah, sacrifice was... the girl like hanging upside down by her ankles with like well, no, intestines stuffed in another dead guy's mouth. No, the priestess, it was the dead guy was hung upside down, cut through, and then the priestess was tied up in his entrails. Oh, that's right. She was like hogtied and gagged with his intestines. Yeah, there's some there's some truly shocking violence in this movie. (laughs) It's really intense. Uh, It was like, I I expected it to be like kinetically brutal, right? If that makes sense in the way that like the... uh, the fort's fight scene was, which we we will talk about because it was dope. <laughs> uh, but there was a lot of just like gross, brutal too. Maybe not a lot, but in the second half of the movie, where they're basically doing like doing a Batman, but uh, <laughs> more fucked up. He's Arkham Asyluming everyone in the village. Yeah. He's like high, jumping from gargoyle to gargoyle, killing people. <laughs> like the the first night of kills, where like you you cut from like pitch black screaming sword sounds to just the uh, the bastard son there. of the uncle screaming, and then it goes to the wall, and it is just like body parts nailed to the wall, seemingly just like at random. But like in a pile of just like mismatched. Oh god, that was disgusting. No, no, no. it was like forming a horse. Yeah, like he, he had some art. He oh. took some artistic license with the way he mutilated these people. Okay, I just up. did not notice that then, but it was fucked up. I mean, they don't show it for very long. It's sort of yeah. just like a quick. It's almost like in the background. It's uh, interesting, mm-hmm. but I love the the one of like three jokes in the whole movie when he's like. Do you think it's the like those Christians that we've been hearing about? I hear their <laughs> yeah. god is a corpse nailed to a tree. <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> oh my god, I was dying. The way he says it there is like the Christians. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, he's never even like seen one. <laughs> <laughs> Some mythical horror. But, like, I, 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 while that's a joke, it still really contributes to that vibe of, like, this is a scary time. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, when they, uh, when they are, like, bringing, like, slaves back to, uh, like, Iceland, and they're just, like, mm-hmm. you, like, Russian dogs. <laughs> <They're> yeah. like, <laughs> they're just, you, like, yeah. And they look, like, identical. <laughs> you know, the actor's probably, like, Italian or something. <laughs> just, like, you're lower the dirt to me. This <laughs> uh, is funny. Like, the, like, sort of, I guess it's, like, politics. Just, just like, what the norm was for the time is, like, so like alien and really I, I haven't seen the witch but the lighthouse was kind of like this too where you're just like man humans were really weird back then mm-hmm. yeah just like the the concept of the lighthouse of being on this island for month-long shifts with absolutely no communication yep. that is like inconceivable yeah. now because we, we you know we've had global wireless communication for so long um not that there aren't you know, parts of the world where that's not accessible still, but a uh, lighthouse in the U.S. would have been using radio comms 
not long after when that movie is set. <laughs> yeah, as soon as they could um, start doing that, they did because of course they would. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and they, he sort of—I feel like he kind of taps into some of those feelings in in this movie with like the how like shut off from the rest of the world they are because they spend like the back half of the movie in that little village that like the uh his uh uncle had has like you know basically made like i guess it's like biding his time to retake his homeland you know uh but they're they're sort of just all alone on iceland because there's like nothing there yep uh so when he's like terrorizing this village it feels very like claustrophobic sort of you know or like they either they think it's either one of the slaves who is going around killing people or just like a literal evil spirit because everyone believes in ghosts in the year 900 or whatever 914 yeah the the time that's being portrayed here is sort of the start of vikings spreading out right because like we what we think of as the vikings were eventually like a seafaring and pretty widespread culture in northern europe and even parts of north america for a short time but that hadn't happened until like i i just looked it up and it was like the oldest viking settlement in canada that they could identify was like around 10 20 so like 100 ish years after this so even like they had like when they're fighting the russians at the start i think they had like just recently reached there hadn't gone to north america yet so they are pretty isolated to scandinavia maybe have some communication with like the gauls and some of the the german tribes but like wouldn't know if you know when they're talking about the christians they're not talking about them it's like you know the east roman empire and constantinople and those christians right it's like some mythical fucking horror cult that lives on the other side of the <laughs> well, no, world don't they don't yeah. they talk about going to constantinople at one point they're talking about the slaves being sent like did they say south. constantinople didn't they say that at some point you might uh, be right but either way like their conception of like what that means culturally oh yeah they yeah and christianity that is to them the is into the planet yeah christianity to them is just some horrifying magic religion that like they know nothing about other than the fact that they yeah. have lots of gold yeah. <laughs> as opposed to their uh normal everyday death cult that they are all a part of yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah and like they might not even i they might not even know africa exists that's not that far away they have no conception of you know asia or the americas it's a it is a smaller more brutal world <laughs> yep yeah that sure. they inhabit i'm saying brutal a lot but like that is the theme of this movie man yeah it's it's just the, brutal the like value of a human life is at an all-time low <laughs> during this uh during this movie like, like when he uh when uh Omleth is uh like with the i guess like the viking group you know that he like grows up in uh they they show them just like rowing down a river and just like killing random people with bows for no reason not even like taking their stuff just like because they can they're yep. bored uh yeah and they're and they're viking longship longships are so fucking cool man they're pretty cool they're, they're cool. they were designed to where like the sail could be easily picked up and lowered so they could like row through rivers but then when they hit open water they could pull the sail back up and just haul ass um which fun fact so a lot of the people got gifts at the end of filming because some like some directors do that you know so like nicole kidman was given a sword um the i think the guy who played the i can't remember now i'm blanking but they uh, one of the actors received three horses from the movie um, Alexander <laughs> received his bloodstained thong that he wore through the entire end of the movie. <laughs> and Willem Dafoe received a real working longship. What the fuck? Willem oh Dafoe God. owns a Viking longship now. Somewhere out there, Willem Dafoe <laughs> is just like rowing around. 
just rowing by he himself through the North Sea. raiding all of the villages along the shores like, of the rivers of England. He, like, rows one and, like, runs to the next one with each thing <laughs> down the line. <laughs> it's like the scene from uh, At World's End, the Pirates of the Caribbean, where there's, like, Jack Sparrow and he has, like, the 50 copies of himself also on the boat. It's just... 20 Willem Dafoe's <laughs> all dressed as Vikings. <laughs> God, this movie's really fucking good. I'm sorry. I just. No, I, haven't, I haven't thought about it in a few days because I've been busy with work, but like, mm -hmm. it's such a good movie. Yeah. For context, we watched this. So we, we went to the theater to see this on we Friday. Did. The first uh, ever jump cuts group theater adventure. Yeah. Where we all, we all got expired beer somehow. <laughs> the bar <laughs> had entirely expired beer. It was, yeah. <laughs> it's fascinating. You know, mine we, didn't taste that bad, but. Uh. Yeah, we got to see, there was like an ad before with some guy like holding a lavalier mic in his hands. Yeah. We saw that there was that one ad right before the movie started with, uh, what's her heard. name? We have the Nicole Kidman one. No, n now disgraced Amber Heard. <laughs> Wait, what was Amber Heard? In? The like you're, AMC you're mixing up the Nicole AMC Kidman and Amber introduction Heard. one. No, that was Nicole Kidman. Wait, is Nicole that... Kidman won a Pulitzer for that ad yesterday. This is not a joke. for the AMC ad. Yes, a public service Pul Pulitzer Prize for oh. that ad. I'm, I'm dead serious. You can look this up. <laughs> Well, damn. Okay, well, I was wrong. I, I legitimately thought that was Amber Heard at first. Yeah, was Maybe we Amber? saw a different one, but uh, Nicole Kidman How would we won a Pulitzer for an AMC ad yesterday. Oh, yeah, that totally is her. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I don't know right? why. I thought I heard people saying that it was Amber Heard. Maybe they. Maybe it used to be Amber Heard and they reshot it with Nicole Kidman. I don't know. But also, why did she win a public service Pulitzer for that? Does fuck? that mean like public service announcement as a category? Is that a category of Pulitzer Prize? I don't know. That's hilarious. If it yeah, is, it wasn't it's like a good commercial. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> just her talking about going to the movie theater, like, yeah, but no one was in there. It's like, yeah, she's walking into an. It's like, yeah, she was advertising like a dying experience. Like it was really kind of surreal to watch. It kind of bummed me out because like. I kind of like having a lot of people in the movie theater for certain yeah. movies, right? Because that kind of can make the viewing experience feel a little more electric, right? There's some energy in the crowd. Mm -hmm. uh, but like, Yeah, I think it was supposed to be like a the magic of returning to the movies after the pandemic thing. But like, there you lose that when it's an ad for AMC. Yes. <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry. Like, that. that's, it's no longer about, and I, I know this is, Stupid. We're talking about a movie that I think has some artistic magic to it, but that was funded by somebody and is therefore uh, artistically void or whatever. I don't know. An AMC commercial is more artistically void than the Northman to me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's my take. I mean, I don't think uh, I feel like everyone would probably agree. I, I think that's pretty reasonable. Yeah, but like it's uh, more empty than most things. Yeah, although it is like. It is annoying seeing them uh, kind of pitching like movie magic stuff when like it was so hard for us to even see like a movie at all that wasn't Doctor Strange because and it isn't entirely AMC's fault. It's, you know, Disney's fault originally. And uh, if anyone's wondering why we keep shitting on Marvel stuff so much, this is my biggest gripe with it is that they take up so much theater space yeah. And they like intentionally box other uh, movies out. Basically, it's part part of their strategy, and yeah, they make they're... it they make it so we have to go see The Northman, which has only been out for like two or three weeks at like ten forty five on a Friday, right? Like that that was yeah. the best time we could get on a Friday night for like a an incredibly good movie. Yep, <laughs> yeah, it's fucked up. A very good movie that is, you know, by a smaller production house, but one that at this point is very well known and is on a string of mostly hits for the last, like, five years. Yeah, like, literally, if we hadn't have, if we didn't, like, say we were going to 
review this this week and I was just like buying a ticket with like I don't know like on a date or anything like I just would have found another movie you know I wouldn't have yeah. seen a movie that got out at 1am right I would have waited till it came out on on like streaming which it now is right and it's like of course the movie isn't making any money no one can see it right like they're just yeah. gonna go see a Doctor Strange because it's at like 8 o'clock instead of 10.45 yeah every theater we looked at had like 20 to 30 showings a day of Doctor Strange and three for every other movie. It yeah. wasn't just this one, it's all of them. Because yeah. like you said, there's it, a lot of good movies out right now. You know, yeah. like I want to see everything everywhere all at once. It's like not yeah. in any theaters anymore because it's getting boxed out by fucking Doctor Strange. Yeah, yeah. the director of Portrait of a Lady on Fire, our our <clears> darling <throat> movie, uh she has another movie out. Uh, I don't know if it's coming out, but it is out. That's probably going to be like all this stuff is out because it's out around the same time as Doctor Strange. It's harder for people to see. I think it's literally showing in like one theater in Atlanta. That yeah. sucks, dude. Man. Disney, am I right? Am I right? <laughs> Anyways, yeah, needlessly hard to see this movie. I was glad we went and saw it in a theater, though, because it has some big screen-worthy shots. Oh, yeah. And audio, too. The audio was killer. Uh, Uh, Will, you, I think, were correct when you said afterwards that this is one of those movies that it's got so much, like, bass range to it, it's just going to sound like shit on when it's on Amazon Prime. It's going to sound awful, on sure, especially if it's on Amazon. Like it, Because mm-hmm. it's a lot of, and this is kind of, sort of a Robert Eggers thing and sort of a like, I think it's just like so many like modern movies are done this way when they're, especially when they're doing like super like aggro type characters is that they have like super deep gravelly voices. They almost like put a lot of distortion on it. It feels like, right. Uh, so I don't like good luck understanding anything during the, like the monologue uh, vision the quest or like the, you know, monologue or whatever. Uh, if you're watching this at home, cause, uh, it was kind of hard. I feel like I caught almost everything in the movie and like it was mixed well for a theater and like the, it helped that the theater was like blaring it was like really loud it's uh, very loud but I just unless they remix it for streaming which no one ever does uh, it's gonna be hard yeah like the, the very beginning when you have uh, the green knight yes the guy who <laughs> played the green knight giving the intro yeah the intro is probably the hardest the, uh, the oh it's death Patel. <laughs> When yeah. you said that earlier, I was thinking somebody else did the like opening monologue of the Green Knight. No, no, I'm you were talking about. But no, I mean yeah. the guy who plays the Green Knight. I didn't know that. Did the good. opening monologue for this? The like it, it's literally like uh, what? What are all the sonnets at the beginning of? Is that what they're called at the beginning of? Yeah, Shakespeare's plays. I mean, it's it pretty is much, that's exactly it, what it is. It's the sonnet for Hamlet. Yeah, it is great. It's so cool. Yeah. It is, uh, I, and I the think throat singing, like the oh, yeah. the guy who played the, I think he's literally called like a he witch, the one who has Willem Dafoe's head. Okay, yeah, the that one who yeah, taught himself right. how to throat sing for this That's movie, sick. but that like that sick. throat singing that sounded so cool with like the rumbling in the theater is going to sound like garbage on streaming, probably. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Bjork was the uh, the wish that with, appears with, in the Russian town. Yeah, who has no I was, eyes. I forgot about the. Yeah. the there are at least three witches in this movie. Uh-huh. There's four, right? Because there's like if you count Willem Dafoe. That wait, who's the fourth? Olga, thing? kind of like. Oh yeah, I guess Olga is. She yeah. like she's not exactly like a witch, but she like prays to the earth gods and like. Yeah. I she clearly does has, the mushroom like, poisoning. She, yeah, she yeah. does the mushroom poisoning, and she does, like, the prayer at the end, and, like, the wind kicks up and takes the boat off. Yeah, yeah. it's which I guess the uh, uh, the, the dad, Amleth's dad, near the beginning of the movie, I, I guess, sets that. He establishes that uh, all women are literally magical and do don't not trust them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's his, why. Uh, it's hilarious. It, like, he literally, he comes back from... 
uh, like, I don't know, a raid or battle or whatever, a raid. And his wife, it's just like, would you like to come to the bedchamber? He was like, no, I have to go do drugs with my son in this game. <laughs> and then he does, and he grabs him, he's like, you should be afraid of women. And then he gets stabbed, <laughs> like, a minute later. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh, it's completely God. absurd. But then literally, like, the one that he falls in love with is like, no, I can't do magic, actually. <laughs> and like, the, yes, I am a witch. Thanks. Like, the, 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 easily the two like smartest characters in the entire story are like Amla's mom and Olga. <laughs> so, yes, 100%. <laughs> I, partially, I imagine, because uh, surviving at all as a woman in uh, the 900s in Iceland, you probably have to have some wits about you mm-hmm. you got to be tactical as fuck <laughs> you really do oh man i would like to talk for a moment about cinematography yes uh, which is excellent in this movie and eggers has a style that is distinct i would say there are a lot of pieces of this that are very recognizable between this and the lighthouse and the way that shots are constructed. And the thing I said when I walked out of the theater, and I will now defend this statement, is that Robert Eggers is scary Wes Anderson. Uh, and my thought process here is that, you know, you know how Wes Anderson does these... Uh, he has a very distinctive style that is well documented and discussed and a part of it is that the shots are very theatrical in the you know broadway sense not the movie theater sense and blocked in this way where it's like you are looking at a square or a 16 by (laughs) 9 aspect ratio the set and you were looking at this room and you have a clear view of everything from this angle and it is like kind of a upward angle where you're looking up a little almost like you're sitting in the crowd that's you know not in every shot but that's the way when i think of like the interior shots of the big house in moonrise kingdom yeah that's like it's like a dollhouse yeah like like a dollhouse like pretty much all of his movies it feels like he's shooting everything and every the whole world is a little dollhouse yeah and what eggers does isn't exactly that it's it's not that exactly but it's similar but tighter and more zoomed in and more intense where you get a lot of these i mean there's close-ups where somebody is monologuing directly into the camera the way that an actor on the stage would monologue to a crowd but you get these very tight interior shots that use that same kind of angle and that same dollhouse look but it is just a much smaller environment part of that is because of the setting because you know it's a lighthouse or a Viking longhouse. But the the style, there are pieces of it that feel similar to me. And even if they're not similar, they're similarly distinct where like you can look at a few shots of a Wes Anderson movie and be like, that is a Wes Anderson movie. And I feel like I could do that with a Eggers movie now. That's it's, my main thought on that. It's also something about the, the color palette for them. I mean, I know like, I guess Lighthouse was black and white, so <laughs> that doesn't exactly yeah. work. But like between uh, The Witch and The Northmen, there's, it's it's all very dull tones. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's not a lot of like bright, vibrant colors, except for where they are very specifically needed. But the overall feel is dark and dull and, excuse me, is dark and dull and everything sucks. Uh, One thing I was trying to find, because I know he did this for The Witch and The Lighthouse, but I can't find find out about it for this film, is for The Witch, he couldn't find, like, a period piece house that, A, he was allowed to film at that he liked, or B, that he just liked at all, so he built one. The lighthouse. He couldn't find a period piece lighthouse that he liked, so he built a lighthouse. <laughs> so I'm, I, I'm curious. I'm, I'm almost assuming he had the to like. Yes. He built these Viking villages. Yeah, they built a Viking village. For Fuck yes, dude. I love Robert <laughs> Eggers so much. It rules. 
Yeah, he. So I there's uh, there's an interview that Polygon did that it may have been from like a press pool. There were some other places with similar quotes, but I think this was specifically a Polygon interview with uh, Eggers about practical effects and his sort of obsession with him and the way he does these things, like building the lighthouse or building the Viking village, which like objectively is kind of a crazy thing to do, but it works. It looks better than if they did it a different way. Yeah. And one of the things they talked about, he, there's a part at the very start of the article where he's like verbally self flagellating about the, uh, the javelin toss scene when they're storming the Russian fort. Cause he was like, we couldn't actually throw a javelin at Skarsgård and be like, catch this shot. <laughs> that it's going to be a four minute one take. We just can't do that. So we had, they should have got Tom Cruise in there. He would have caught it. Right. <laughs> but it was like, we had Could a version. You imagine? Sorry. No, <laughs> it was like, we shot that first part of the scene with somebody throwing the spear and we shot it with him already holding it. And we spliced the two together, and I hate myself for it. Is that what you're asking? Yes. And the interviewer's like, that is not really what I was asking, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he talks a lot about trying to maximize the use of practical effects. And one of them that I didn't really catch, but now that I read it, I was like, oh, that makes sense, is the, uh, the tree, the like family tree, the tree mm-hmm. of kings that they call it. Yeah. Right. The all of the the figures in it, the bodies are either real actors that they shot or uh, mannequin dummies that they set up in the background for like the further away ones mm. that they shot over some kind of like black environment and then digitally added in the tree stuff. Gotcha. Which again, like with the spear, you can't literally have a magical star tree. <laughs> that is not possible. <laughs> this is the only way to do that shot. But like doing the one part of it that can be real, which is the people as real, is a step I don't think a lot of people would take. Yeah, uh, but it works. Or like all the looks... people that aren't even like characters in the, you know, because you don't see yeah. any of his family tree outside mm-hmm. of him and his dad. Yeah, they're only in this shot yeah it's it's going like i mean it's a similar conversation to was it last week or two weeks ago we were talking about um all the cgi and like the marvel films and everything like it's it feels so much better when you have a real actor on the screen even if it is just for this one shot of the family tree or like even the the draw gear, like having somebody actually dressed like that in this suit that you know makes yeah. him seven feet tall, so he towers over everyone. Like it's it feels so much better that way. Mm-hmm. You got to put a guy in a costume; everyone yeah. likes it. We love it, and it looks distinct too. That's the other yeah. thing. It's like it it looks like a style where if you think about the. Uh, the tree shot and then the shot of the Valkyrie riding away towards Valhalla at the end with uh, Amleth, Amleth said Amleth, uh, on the back of the horse. That is a shot of a real person on a real horse with the digital stuff superimposed. And that makes it look different than the Marvel version of that shot, which is a digital person on a digital horse. Yeah. It, I'm it, not feels, they, they it looks like, like real the actors that they like do digital stuff around you know like they have like a green screen with like spider-man or whatever doing stuff right they will but if they're doing like stunts or stuff in the suit it's mocap. if you're seeing spider-man on screen in yeah. the mcu stuff with the mask down yeah it's like tom holland ran around in like a mocap suit probably yeah tom holland or somebody else in a mocap suit and it is all digitally done over the mocap suit you're not looking it is not a person in a suit on camera yeah um which yeah and i again there's reasons to do that stuff and it's not like the marvel movies look bad for the most part or like the cgi is like jarringly obvious but they look like their thing and this looks like its own thing yeah 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 
There's also on the cinematography line the uh, the four minute one take shot of storming the fort it's in so Russia. Good. Very, Very sick. Yeah. So cool. All they of the combat them. stuff in this movie yeah. is dope. Honestly, the the javelin throw happened, and I was like, "Is this movie gonna get like dumb?" Because <laughs> I was like, "That's I don't know that that broke any immersion I had a little bit." But the rest of the scene was like awesome, and it was super cool when he did it, right? And mm-hmm. I feel like the, the more I saw this movie, the more I'm like, "Okay, they're sort of intentionally like blending reality <laughs> and like legend here." So I think it worked, but yeah. Uh, it, it, man, what a, what a hilarious way to start the so uh, the scene. Would you have preferred the film if all the berserkers were naked in that scene? Because that's what Eggers originally wanted yes. to do was have them say. all just butt ass naked after they take the wolf cloaks off. Yeah, and it wasn't he? He was worried that people would think it was too funny. Yes, yeah. and also uh, that the age which, restriction would be put too high. Yeah, if you which, got a bunch of wangs flopping around, <laughs> which it, one it, it's dumb. If, if you're old enough to see a rated R movie, you're old enough to see some dick, right? <laughs> that's that's fine. You're we're all adults, you know. People know what dicks look like, and but it it would have been really funny. I I, I would have enjoyed <laughs> yeah. it from a comedic <laughs> point of view. I must admit, I am not mature enough to not laugh at that. <laughs> Same here. Like the volcano fight, incredible incredible shot emotional moment i would have been giggling a little bit of it like his dicks flopping around yeah <laughs> yes which i thought uh i didn't realize that they actually even had like loincloths on on in that scene at the end i thought that they were nude but they had just like artistically shot around and put shadow over you know their dicks yeah uh, i think it's so supposed it was a pretty to effective like yeah yeah I, so I, I guess they just had them. They had them in a, like underwear just to keep floppage from going on. <laughs> that yeah, I think I, based on the quote I read, I think it was supposed to. You're supposed to think that they're actually just naked, but without seeing floppage, as you so eloquently <laughs> put it. Uh, yeah, but I, I just I had already read that quote before I saw the movie, so I was like, I just instantly like looked and saw the kid and doll situation and I was like oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it, it, what but, he was talking about but it's dumb like I, I get wanting to take uh, take that like nudity away for like to make the scene like have the right impact for people like I totally understand that but it's pretty lame that they like feel like they can't put it in the movie due to like rating stuff and like yeah. I watched the first couple episodes of Winning Time last night it's like on HBO it's about like the start of the Lakers and you see very many dicks in the first episode incredible <laughs> amount of penises yeah like and it it's fine like it's still like why why can't they get away with that I mean I know like HBO has like its own reputation but it's, it's annoying it's because it has to be in theaters yeah, it, it's annoying seeing yeah. stuff held back by that, right? Especially yeah. if it's already behind a rated R rating, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, just uh, like the an... fear becomes the bump up to an NC-17, which then yeah. just like shouldn't extremely even exist restricts like where you can mm-hmm. show things. Yeah, like yeah. they show a guy like getting a sword slowly pushed through his skull on the screen. It's like that is way more horrifying. They show a woman a, a tied guy. up with a man's intestines. Yeah, like, like it no dicks though <laughs> yeah the violence is like fucking insane in this movie and yeah they're worried about having the people be naked yeah it's stupid yeah this would have been excellent as a HBO joint but alas True. um it would have made even less money if it was like a straight to HBO <laughs> movie yep we found a way to make even less money off of this <laughs> very artistic and well made film <laughs> tragic but yeah, all the all the fights are great though. I it, I don't know. I don't have a lot to like say in detail about the one take things. Like, well, they did a one take and it worked. It looked cool. Yeah, it looked good. I, and I didn't even notice it was a one take until we all brought it brought it up, which I think is usually good. Like, cause it meant it, like it it got the effect across, right? Of like I the memory of that scene is like in my head. And when you said, oh, it was a one or like okay. I, I, yeah, you're right. There weren't any cuts, right? But it makes it super uh, seamless. It, it, it wasn't like it wasn't rubbing it in your face. It didn't sacrifice the like immersion of the movie 
to do it, which I like. And I think it sells the effect of just, like, how quickly and efficiently they overrun this little fort village. Like, it took us one shot in a movie. (laughs) It helps that Skarsgård looks like a god walking around. (laughs) He's just, like, rippling at... Like, no one back then ever looked like that. (laughs) (laughs) Which, you know, it's part of the sort of heightened way of telling the story, right? They have literal magic Mm -hmm. happen in this, like... uh, story right so it's fine but it's just like the 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 power imbalance between him and like all the people trying to defend the town is like so steep (laughs) yeah like i love the like just talking about the magic i really didn't think some of the magic stuff was going to come into effect so like when they talk about the the sword and Mm -hmm. he's told the sword can only be unsheathed at night or at the gates of hell and you hear the roost like the one point when he's getting ready to try to kill his uncle, you can hear a rooster start crowing in the background, and he can't unsheath the sword. Yeah. And at first I'm thinking, okay, maybe this is like some weird like subconscious mental block stopping him from doing it because he's so caught up in like what he believes is his destiny. But then later on, we see the guy who had his nose cut off trying to open the sword, and he also can't do it. Yeah. Like, it legitimately mm-hmm. can't be opened. Yeah, in this story, yeah, all any magic, anything a priest or a witch says, it is all real and and true. It, <laughs> like, yeah. it's not. It doesn't shy away from that. And it, mm-hmm. it's. I, I, I think thing, it makes sense for the uh, like the sort of what they're feeling they're going for. Yeah, the only thing that doesn't end up being a hundred percent true is the prophecy bit where the guy says you'll have to choose between. Uh, hate for your enemy or kindness for your kin and hate for your enemies which yeah, first yeah. off great line second that's what he says when he is jumping out of the boat at the end he's like I was told I have to choose between kindness for my kin and hate for my enemies I choose both and then goes yeah. and kills his uncle thereby saving his uh, children and their mother yeah he found the secret ending <laughs> yeah <laughs> yep and, and I guess Rocky like ending, the <laughs> I like the way that they did this, but also, like, the draw gear is not technically real. It's almost like there's a, a battle of their, like, souls. Yeah, that, that was, was interesting, yeah. That was a kind of a cool scene. scenes in the movie. Like, I liked it, and it was... But I thought, I think, like, the movie would have been fine if they just had him fight it and then moved yeah. on. But it was yeah. an interesting choice to have him, like... You know, it's like, was he imagining that fight? Did it happen in his mind? Like, what... What's well, happening that, here? That was where, like, when that kind of happened, I was like, okay, maybe all of this is in his head. This, like, destiny yeah. and magic, this isn't all actually happening. But then it clearly all still is actually happening. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I think it, it works well because, like, the whole movie is about kind of what's going on in his head, yeah. right? That, like, this, it's so it was so fascinating to me watch, like, how the motivations of this guy changed and how they were so consistently like the opposite of what i (laughs) would do right but like they do such a good job of establishing like how he was raised and like you know his his dad like is literally like you know gives him weird drugs and you know know, makes him pretend to be a dog and then grabs him and is like this is what you believe forever now and then he's like okay i will (laughs) and then like the rest of the movie is just like almost like fallout from that right Oh, also, uh, one thing I learned while just like reading about this film, just quickly going back to the draw gear, uh, there's a canonical reason for why he cut off its head and then shoved it up its ass. There were supposedly <laughs> only two ways you could make sure a draw gear stayed dead. One was to light it on fire. Um, the other was to cut off its head and shove it up its ass. That rocks. Fascinating. Love Vikings. (laughs) This scary undead thing is going to come back. I have to put its head in its ass. And that's that's the thing that I think this movie executes so well is it's like Vikings, very cool, but living then, very scary. As opposed to the lighthouse where it's just like 
jerking off with Willem Dafoe. Very scary. <laughs> Not cool Very at all. alarming. <laughs> Don't Not want fun. to be here. <laughs> Drinking turpentine with Willem Dafoe. <laughs> Nothing cool about being a lighthouse keeper in 1902 or whatever it's supposed to be. Sounds bad. Yeah. And, you know... At the same time, nothing cool about being a Viking, but uh, watching Vikings sword fight each other, very cool. Yeah. And Love it's a, me a volcano sword fight. And they clearly think it's very cool. Like, they're having a pretty good time. Oh, yeah. With oh, it. yeah. It, like, and it, I think it makes sense for, like, uh, in a world where uh, people are dying just for, like, whatever reason. You know, like, the value mm-hmm. of human life is, like, very low, right? That you'd have basically a religion based around like well you see if you die in battle it's actually really good you know like uh, also it's a good way to get people to go kill for you right if you're like a king or something um but uh you know like amleth like totally buys into that and his mind has never changed and uh as he's dying he's uh, picturing himself or it is literally happening that he's being carried off to valhalla you know like he, from a modern perspective, uh, is is fucking up really badly, right? It's like, bro, what are you doing? But not in his eyes at all. <laughs> yeah, from like the from the perspective of a Viking, he is doing everything right. This is how he's supposed to live and how he's supposed to die. Yeah, and it, it, it makes you like it does. I think it does a great job of making the audience think about like just like looking at a character's motivations from like a thousand years ago and thinking about what your own motivations are now and like how similar am I to this person and like how different is he and like what I don't know like what in like modern culture is sort of still around from you know the culture that uh, these guys are in right there's uh patriarchy is being one of them right that like uh their whole society is just like uh i don't know they, they touch on it a good bit in the movie right like how uh weird masculinity is and he kind of has a tender moment with like olga where he's like i because he's in like his 20s or maybe even 30s and he's like i've never been close with anyone before like yeah. <laughs> until you and they've they, they have not hung out much <laughs> you know like <laughs> he's just like i have never won and it, it's like this brief scene of him sounding like a modern human being right it's like and it made like when watching it i was like oh my god this is like a real guy because for so much of the movie it you know it's like oh this dude is like a rabid dog running around but then this is like flash of like like emotional depth and humanity and then as soon as he finds out she's pregnant he's like back on just like keep the bloodline going (laughs) you know like he's Mm -hmm. he's back on his bullshit right (laughs) and it uh I don't know, seeing his character go through all of that, it was, I don't know, seeing, it's like visions of the past, visions of, like, what's to come, it's, it's, it's good, the movie makes you think. Yeah. It does, really does. I also, I think the dialogue is really good, even if it's, like, borderline (laughs) incomprehensible at times, I think that's almost, like, part of it, or, you know, part of it is because they're all speaking in these, like, thick affected uh viking accents yeah. or russian accents in uh olga's case but like old russian yeah um but it it comes across in this way that on the one hand feels like sort of shakespearean and play like has that sort of flow to it on the other the other thing it reminds me of is uh Lord of the Rings, where it it feels like this old uh, old timey English from a you know noble time of knights or whatever that people don't really speak anymore, or almost like it was translated over from a different language into its own unique flow. That's what we get mm-hmm. in you know in the Lord of the Rings on page or on screen. The, the line that sticks out to me is uh, towards the very end when 
the uncles or uh, Fjolnir. I said I was going to remember his name, then I've called him the uncle the whole movie. People know uh, what we're but, talking about. <laughs> yeah. When Fjolnir is like, I, you will find me at the gates of hell, and Amith responds, like, at the gates of hell, you will find me. When, no one talks like that, right? Nobody in... I'm going to start. Yeah. <laughs> Next no, podcast, nobody, <laughs> nobody you, you know would ever say, at the gates of hell, you will find me in a response to that. It'd be like if you were like, I... You know, you will find me at Midway Pub. At Midway Pub, you'll find me. Nobody's oh, gonna, hell yeah. <laughs> nobody's, nobody says that. But because nobody says that, it comes across in this, like, unique and, like, a kind of... I, I don't want to say epic, because that word's been ruined by Reddit bacon fuckheads, but <laughs> it feels kind of epic. I don't know. It was people, cool. People who may look like us, but are very distinct, different <laughs> from us. We have to stress. We are yeah. better than them. Yeah. The, uh, the other thing I liked a lot with the dialogue, too, was the transitions between you know, English, because I mean, it's the movie is in English, but like every once in a while, especially during like the more ritualistic stuff, it transitions back into the older languages, like which Olga, I know it is like Saxon or something. I, I, is that a language? Yeah, yes, I believe so, but I don't know if we're late enough for that. I don't know what this because yeah. it's it's still like a runic language at this point. Yeah. In- uh, the uh, on the British Isles, this would have been like the dawn of old, what we now call Old English, because Beowulf was written like a hundred years after this. Yeah. Um, and that you know, I all of these things, I think Celtic as well, and all of those the uh, Scandinavian. Yeah, this languages. was this was about the time of. I guess this, no, this, the Book of Kells was like uh, 800 AD or something. Yeah. I think. So this was a little bit after Book of Kells. All, all of these have similar roots in the uh, Germanic barbarians. Yeah. Um, basically, all the parts of Europe that were not conquered by Rome. And then some of those ended up blending together. And now we have English, the worst language in the world. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you, I, that was a long tangent off of your original point. Of oh, no, they do like, actually speak a different language sometimes in this movie. Yeah. And like Olga, when she does her like prayer and such, especially like the one at the end, it goes back to kind of that older form of like a Russian or Slavic language. And it's really cool because it, it adds so much more punch to what they're saying. Even like you have to read the subtitles for it, but you can you can feel the, the weight of what they're saying. It's so important that it is in their traditional tongue. Yeah. Makes it feel more alienated, like they're casting a spell. Yes. It's cool shit. I, man, I feel like I could talk about this movie for another half an hour because it was sick as fuck. Yeah. But, uh, we have already been talking about it for about an hour. So do you guys have anything else you want to make sure we discuss before we wrap this thing up um not that i can think of um no that's it cool well uh that was the northman if you can't tell we liked the movie and we think you should watch it unless the uh, violence would be off-putting to you which is understandable it's extremely violent yeah it's gross but in a fun way in my opinion (laughs) fun nasty yeah. All right. It's a happy ending, at least for you know, for an ambulance perspective. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you're feeling warm and fuzzy leaving this movie. But <laughs> I, I was time. feeling. Charlie I don't know if I was exclaimed feeling immediately fuzzy, upon credits rolling. Just that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I did. It was so sick, dude. <laughs> this movie ruled. Best volcano sword fight since Revenge of the Sith. It was good, and it had way more uh, screaming. As the, like, I don't even think they talk to each other on the volcano. They just scream at the top of their lungs mm. the whole time. Which was awesome. It was great. I've yes, never perfect. seen that in a movie before. Like, nothing else. What, what else could you want? <laughs> you know? <laughs> this is, no, like I said, no notes. Perfect. <laughs> could talk about this movie a lot more. Uh, but... 
we'll go ahead and wrap it up. So thank you for listening. We appreciate it. As always, new episodes every Thursday. Next episode next week will be Vampire's Kiss. Correct, Park? Yes. Nicholas yeah. Cage masterpiece, Vampire's Kiss. Masterpiece is certainly one word for this movie that I haven't seen. Uh, we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling you're being a touch ironic. No, it's a masterpiece. Okay. Well, alrighty then. Now my expectations are high. <laughs> Good. Good. I'm looking forward to it. All right. And then after that, you'll have the uh, Just Charlie and Will uh, wedding season super special episodes. Hell so we'll yeah. see what those will be. We have one of them set. We'll figure out another one. Hey, y'all, get, y'all get two episodes. I know. We're going to do with all this power. <laughs> it's too much power. <laughs> um, we're rambling, but the uh, social media stuff is at Jump Cuts Pod. Woo. Park is Summer Hour underscore Brewing on Instagram. Will is on YouTube at Will Johnson. Uh, subscribe to him and his channel. He has a number that was bigger than I expected, but I forgot what it was. Good for him. Go, Will. All right. 2,000 subscribers. Him. Pretty good for not having released a video in two years. <laughs> that is actually crazy. I forgot. <laughs> yeah. Keep subscribing. So, it's funnier the more I get without doing any work. <laughs> <laughs> Keep subscribing to Will so he will continue to not make a video. I, I, Listen, I've been moving a lot. I I moved twice in a year. I'll make a video probably. We'll get there. I would go poke and prod him, but I uh, instead of doing anything productive this weekend, I'm going to play Path of Exile. <laughs> so I also made, I made too many plans this weekend for this is man. This is going way off the rails. The episode yeah, is shit, now man. over. <laughs> <laughs> You stopped listening realistically five minutes ago. That was five minutes of rambling. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you next weekend with Vampire's Kiss. Goodbye.